Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams finishes the series entitled Marital Arts. In this message, Brandon looks at the concept of unconditional love. God demonstrates this when he asks Hosea to go back to his wife again. Whether it is in a marriage or just a relationship with someone else, how is God telling you to go back again? Good morning. How's everybody? Hope you are doing good. Uh, I'm going to actually miss Batman and uh, Superwoman there, or whatever their names are. And uh, you're going to miss seeing them next week. But I am excited about our Christmas Eve service on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys come check it out. Invite somebody. We can get people to church on Christmas Eve, and we can't ever get them to church. You can guilt them into coming to church on Christmas Eve, right? Because it's Christmas Eve. So just get them here. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to worship Jesus and, and just have a good time. So uh, make sure you invite somebody. Be praying about that. Be praying for them. And then... Uh, Take a, take a bold step and invite them to come. We're going to continue the marital arts series today. We're actually wrapping that up today. But first of all, I want us to celebrate something real quick that, that was just absolutely incredible. Um, last Sunday at uh, 4 o'clock, some of you came out to Splash in the borough, and we had the incredible opportunity to witness people again making the decision to go from death to life in Christ. And uh, we were able to baptize 19 people last uh, Sunday afternoon. That was awesome. We... Uh, we were able to baptize and, and just uh, celebrate the fact that they've gone from death to life. That's what it's all about. That's what we started this church for, is to bring people closer to God and to reach people who are far from him. And uh, just to be able to see that happen is incredible. Some of you may remember back in the spring when I, I, I came up here and uh, with a lot of apprehension myself and some nervousness myself, I actually asked you to be praying uh, that we would baptize over 100 people um, this year. And at that point, I don't think, as a, in the last two years, I don't think we had baptized over 50 people. And so I thought, this is a stretch, um, but we'll pray for it. Felt like God put it on my heart. We prayed. We asked. Um, to date, uh, for 2011, we actually have baptized 121 people um, over the last 12 months. So that's really awesome. And I want to say that, listen, 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 because when we, when we truly have a heart to glorify God, our motive is to bring people to him. God does incredible things. He truly does more than we could ever think or imagine. That's who our God is. He, his desire is to draw people to himself. And when you and I are obedient, when we just step out and our motive is we want to reach people for God, God does incredible things. Listen, the gospel is still powerful today. The gospel is still powerful today. Jesus is still changing hearts. Jesus is still changing lives. Jesus is still giving people new life through himself. And so I, I just want to encourage you that, celebrate that. I believe we're going to see that happen on Christmas Eve. What better gift is there to see, than to see people go from death to life on Christmas? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? So let's get people here and we'll celebrate that as well as we see people make that decision and just trust that God is going to do an awesome work in their heart. We're going to continue the series today, Marital Arts. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hosea chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking at this. I want to talk to you today about redemptive love or unconditional love and, and that we see and Hosea's relationship with his wife, which is representative of God's relationship with us, and which should be mirrored in our relationship with our spouse, okay? And, and that marriage covenant that we're in. So I want to I start out reading Hosea chapter 3. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's a whopping um, five verses, so just, just bear with me. And then, uh, then we're going to jump in. So Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Listen to this. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. 
You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without a father or idol. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord, their God, and David, their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Let's pray, and then then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your uh, redemptive love. Thank you that you have come to us time and time again. Today, Lord, I pray that uh, for many, for all of us, God, we would, uh, we would just see your hand of mercy offered to us, that we would take that and that, God, we would allow you to lift us up to the highest purpose and calling of our lives, which is to glorify you. We love you, Lord, and thank you for who you are, what you do, how you do it. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us to come to you. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Most of you know that um, in my household, we have a lot of boys, right? Uh, we have four boys to be exact, and, and Susan, I think, feels as though she has four children, uh, me being one of those. Uh, we have a nine-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old boy, and then a 36-year-old boy. So um, that's kind of our family. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting, those of you who maybe you've raised boys, you know, I don't care what anybody says, there's just a difference in boys and girls. There is a, in raising them, there is a huge difference. And one of the greatest um, challenges that we have in our house is to get them to pick up the toilet seat. If you got a you know. If you have a husband, you know, right? That it's just to get them to pick up the toilet seat. And it's so funny. I'll walk in there and, and, and time and time again, I'm like, pick up the toilet seat. And it never happens. And I walk by and I see these two little white hineys standing at the, the toilet and then the seat's down. I'm like, how many times? Come on. And time and time and time again, I'm like, pick up the toilet seat for love. Come on, guys. And the other night, I hear Susan, we're, we're all back in our bedroom. And I hear Susan, she's like, Dakin Jackson, get in here. I'm like, what happened? She's like, I went in there with the lights off and I sat down and there was TT all over the toilet seat. I was like, y'all had it now. And so part of it, I understand, though, because I'm like, we got four boys and one girl. I'd say leave the toilet seat up. I'm just saying, I mean, doesn't it make more sense instead of being like this right here? It's just like, just put it down, you know? But it's time and time again, and we try to get them to do this. It's like, why can they not grasp the fact that I just pick it up? Just pick it up. And time and time and time again, over and over and over again, we have to tell them that. We have to go. We have to reiterate it. And and they still don't get it. And and it takes so much patience. It takes so much of us just constantly going, okay, guys, do this, do this. It takes, you know, we're like, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. And the amazing thing is, I was thinking about that this week, time and time again, how many things do we have to tell our children over and over and over again? And then I look at this scripture in Hosea 3, and I read the words where God tells Hosea, go again to your wife. And I'm like, that's how God feels about me. Time and time and time again, God has come to us. Isn't that amazing? You know how we always have people in our lives that just aggravate us? You know, because it's the holidays. So you know that, like when you go get with family, you're like, you, you, it scares you because you're like, this is my bloodline. This is my pedigree right here. Oh my goodness. And if you don't feel like that, then you're the one. Right? 
So, so you, you know, pr- hopefully you got that aunt or uncle, you got those people, right, that you think about and you're like, oh my gosh, did I really come from that? And because if not, it's you. They're thinking that about you. And, and, and the deal though, guys, is like when we get aggravated with people, we get aggravated with people at work. The one thing that always comes back to me, I was aggravated with somebody one day and I was like, I can't believe they act like this. Can't believe they do this. Why are they doing this? Why are they acting like this? They aggravate me so bad. I can't stand them. And God was like, you know, sometimes that's how you are to me. I was like, oh, kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? That God, time and time and time again, has come to us. If you think, I don't care in, if in here, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior or not, if he is your Lord and Savior, or if you haven't, you can think back to times in your life when God has worked in your life to try to show you his love, hasn't he? There are times when, when you just experience the grace of God, not because you deserved it, just because that's who he is. And he was trying to show you his unconditional redemptive love that go again love that is absolutely incredible it's that redemptive love the word redemption refers to purchasing someone it's literally like going and buying them back from slavery and it's such an important word to us as christians because what jesus did for us in our lives in our eternity he went and he literally purchased us back from sin and death and gave us new life and he did that through giving himself for us that is that go again love from the time of genesis to the time of jesus and continuing on now through the holy spirit god has continually been coming to us to draw him back to himself it's the reconciling redemptive love of god where he came and paid a price that you and i could never never pay and listen this is the awesome thing when god paid the price of redemption when jesus came and gave his life as a substitute for us so that we wouldn't have to die i want you to understand this is an absolutely incredible thing because what happened is a holy god collided with sinful humanity and sinful humanity was not consumed isn't that awesome that God in all of his power and his might because of the sacrifice of Christ and the, the, the righteousness is imputed to us, given to us by faith, that you and I are able to come and be one with a holy, perfect, almighty God that created everything we see, that created the stars, put them in place, holds it all together and still has time to think of you and I. And, and, and then let's look, look, he didn't consume, like he didn't destroy us. Why? Because of what God did for us. Because he redeemed us from the curse of sin and death. That he made us righteous when there was no righteousness. That's what Romans chapter 3 says. That there is a righteousness that has come from God. Not from the law. It's a new way. And that comes through Jesus. It's a righteousness that we cannot earn. And we begin to look at this redemptive love, this go-again love that, that, that we see in Hosea that God has for us. We begin to realize that time and time and time and time and time again, God has come to us. That time and time and time again, God has extended his hand to us. That God, through his prophets, through his word, through, through his son, has sent us a message of redemption, of unconditional love, of, of wanting to reconcile us to himself. Isn't that awesome? Because here's the truth. None of us deserve that. If you think you do deserve it, you don't. I don't. We don't deserve it. And yet God has offered that to us. And here's the thing. Because God has bought us back, because he has redeemed us from the curse of sin and that because we've been reconciled to him, he has implanted his spirit in our heart. It has changed our hearts. If we are in Christ, our hearts have been changed so that now we too have the ability, the strength, the wisdom, the courage to exhibit the same redemptive love 
that God exhibited to us. Isn't that awesome? Does that make sense? Did that, did that, did everybody track with that? Yeah. Because of that collision, that becoming one, that being made righteous through a righteousness that is not our own, through the cross, that, that, that God made the, the, the unrighteous righteous and didn't forsake his own righteousness. Pfft. What? You and I now have the ability because of the spirit of God living in us to exhibit that same redemptive love. And that's to everybody around us. That's to everybody in the world. But how much more to our spouse? Should we exhibit that redemptive love, that go-again love of God? We're going to talk about that today. First thing I want to do is I really want to just try to paint a picture of what that redemptive love, that go-again love looks like. What what does it look like? I mean, what, what is it? Because I guarantee if we can get a clear picture of what it looks like, we will want it in our marriage. You will want it for you, and because of God changing your heart, you'll want it for your spouse. And so we're going to look at that today. I want to give you some things real quick that I believe we see out of the book of Hosea and out of scripture that that defines go again love and what it looks like in a marriage. The first thing I want to tell you today is this, that, that go again love is willing to pay the price. It's willing to pay the price. How many of y'all like coffee? If you don't like coffee, we need to talk to you about Jesus. How many of you like Dunkin' Donuts coffee? If you don't like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, I don't think we can help you. It is awesome. In our office, our church office is addicted to Dunkin' Donuts coffee. We have nicknamed it Christian Crack because it is that good. And so every morning I'll go in there and I'll read my Bible about 7.45, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll go in there and by the way, that round table that's in the little room, that's my table. Don't get it. Don't get my table. Right? We will, no, we won't fight, but... But seriously, I go in every morning and I'm reading my Bible and I'm sitting there and, and, and reading and I see our entire staff at one point or another come through Dunkin' Donuts getting their coffee. Every morning, I, I just, I want that coffee. I love that coffee. I need that coffee. In fact, can somebody go to Dunkin' Donuts and get me a, no, don't, but I love that coffee. And you know, one time I had somebody, it's like a couple of bucks, $2.41 to be exact, I think, for a large. And I had somebody say, do you realize how much you're spending a year on Dunkin' Donuts coffee? I was like, I'm failing to make a connection here. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not getting what you're saying. Do you understand how much it's costing you to drink that coffee every day? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, and I don't care. End of conversation. I love that coffee. I will drink that coffee. The baby has diapers. I will drink that coffee. And so I I want the coffee. I want to drink it. I love that coffee. And you know what? The thing was, it wasn't even an option for me because I'm thinking I'm willing to pay the price to drink this because I love it. I'm willing to pay the price because I I want it. I'm going to have it. Are we willing to do that in our marriage? Are we really willing to pay the price that it takes for us to have the marriage that God desires for us to have? Are we really willing to pay the price to, to, to have the win in marriage that God wants us to have? Are we willing to sacrifice? 
Are we willing to offer that, 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 that redemptive love, no matter what the cost, that go again love? Are we willing to do it time and time again so that our relationship with our spouse, our marriage is reflective of the redemptive love that God gave us? Are we willing to do that? How about, how about Hosea? You think he paid the price? Just to catch you up in the first chapter, God says, go marry a whore. And he did. In the third verse, she's gone back out into her adultery, into her whoredom, is what the Bible says. And, and she went back out again, and, and God goes, hey, Hosea, go again to your wife. Do you think he had to sacrifice a little bit? Do you think he had to sacrifice his pride a little bit? Did he have to humble himself a little bit to go again to his wife, to Gomer? Just to go back to her because her name was Gomer. I mean, that takes a lot. I'd be like, God, you know, I can probably deal with the prostitution thing, but Gomer, really? Gomer. He's like, go again. Go again. Let me ask you a question. Man, let let me ask you a question. How many of you have had to go buy your wife out of prostitution to redeem her and be reconciled back to her? I'd really like to know. Seriously, that's a serious question. Like, if anybody, I want to talk to you about that. That'd be awesome. Like, holy cow, you're a better man than me. But, But how many people have literally done that? I doubt anybody in here has bought their wife back from their pimp to bring them back home. And if we haven't done that, then just from this one scripture, we know we have not exhausted the limits of God's redemptive love in our marriages. Right? Isn't it sad how often we give up on our marriage long before God does? Isn't it sad that when God never gives up, we oftentimes do. Listen, listen, listen. I know they're divorced people. I know, I know it is hurtful. It is painful. I've talked with many, many people who have walked through it. I know it hurts. And sometimes there is nothing you can do. They just walk away. And for you, there's grace, there's healing. But listen, listen, listen. There's also reconciliation. There's also the power of a redemptive God to put our relationships back together. For some of you today, it might not even be marriage. For some of you today, it might be a relationship with your brother or your sister. It might be a relationship with your mom or your dad. It might be a relationship with a coworker. God is a reconciler and a healer of relationships. But are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to sacrifice so that we can have the marriage that God desires for us to have? Are we willing to pay the price? Second thing I'll tell you about go again in love, this redemptive love, is that it moves towards your spouse even when they're offended. That isn't easy, is it? That is so hard. Susan and I had a spat the other night. See, spat sounds better than fight, right? We had a little spat, and I'm like, I ain't talking to her. Nope. 
So usually in a relationship, there's one person that wants to talk and work it out, and then there's the other person that just goes and pouts. I'm the powder, right? I just like, I ain't talking to her. Go to the bedroom, read. But the deal is, guys, if we want to have this redemptive marriage, this marriage that God wants us to have, even when there is an offense, we move towards our spouse. We move towards them. We go to them. How many times did God do that for us? How many times have we offended God? How many times have we sinned? And yet God came time and time and time again so that you and I could be reconciled to him. That is the essence of marriage. That is the essence of redemptive love. That is go again love. That even when there's an offense, I'm not letting that stand between me and my bride. Isn't that what God did? I'm not letting the offense of sin stand between me and my bride. I'm going to do whatever it takes, even going myself and taking my own, giving my own life up on a cross so that they can come to me, that they can be reconciled to me. That is our call, men. That is our call, women, is to constantly move towards our spouse. Why do you think the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger or give the devil a foothold? Because when we allow an offense to become a wedge between us and our spouse or us and other people, then the, 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 before we know it, there, there is this gap that begins to separate us. And I would dare say most divorces, most problems, and listen, it's not, just not, it's not just about not getting divorced. It's about having a marriage that is thriving and imitating the covenant of God that he's given to us. It, God doesn't want you just to muddle through and, miserable, and just be miserable. God wants to establish joy in you and your spouse so that you become one and you can have that joy together. It's about thriving, not just surviving. Don't settle for less. But God came and removed every obstacle. They could keep us from him. And this is what I would say, guys. Listen, men, if we allow anything to stand between us and our spouse, it's time we step it up. It's time we begin to initiate that the reconciliation that God has initiated with us, that we begin to move towards our spouse. Women, we begin to move towards our husband. And when things come and threaten to divide, threaten to cause a schism that would separate, we're like, no, I'm going to move. I'm moving towards them. I'm not moving away from them. We've got to begin to move towards our spouse, even when there's an offense. The next one I'll tell you three, go again, loves lives with its finger on the delete button and doesn't keep a record of wrong. It lives with his finger on the delete button and does not keep a record of wrong. You know, this is the cool thing about God, about Jesus. Jesus redeemed us despite our sin, not because we didn't have any. Isn't that what the Bible says? Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves his love towards us. So even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If we're going to have the the marriage, the relationships that God wants us to have, we've got to keep our finger on the delete button. How can we receive the grace and forgiveness that God has given us and not offer it to other people? How can we begin to live our lives like that doesn't exist? Here's the funny thing. We We love to do this. We love to point out the weaknesses in our spouse and ignore the strengths, don't we? What if we reverse that? 
What if we turn that around and instead of looking and calling out all their mistakes and pointing the finger and saying, you suck, you do that, you do that. And ladies, like if you got a husband who's not living for God, that's probably not going to get him living for God. I'm just saying. But what if instead we begin to think about the blessings. We begin to think about the way that they, that they bless our lives. There's got to be something good about them. If not, then why did you marry them? There's got to be, you might have to think a long way back, but what if you thought a long way back to bring up something good instead of bring up something bad? Because this is the thing I would tell you, you begin to praise your spouse and you begin to encourage them and you begin to, to esteem them and you begin to elevate them and you begin to let them see that you honor them. I guarantee you, you'll begin to see them honor you. What if we, what if we turn it around? And we begin to look at their strengths, not their weakness. We begin to focus on the things they do good, not the things they do bad. So here's the thing that we, we absolutely love. And I'm going to read this. This isn't going to be on the screen, so you can just listen to it. I add this in last minute. But I believe this is, this is so important. And, 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 you know, most of you have probably been to a wedding. And if you've been to a wedding, you've been to a wedding where they read 1 Corinthians 13, didn't you? I don't know if I've ever done a wedding where they're like, we well, you know we want to read 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody does. And rightly so, it's an awesome scripture. But I want to read to you what it says about love. Because we love to quote this. We love to read it. We love to talk about it in marriage. But, but listen to it. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Isn't that awesome? That God's description of love so far surpasses any, any worldly description of love that we could ever possibly imagine. Isn't that awesome? And we love to talk about that. We love to, to read it at weddings. We love to talk about it. But how many times does that really describe the way we live within the marriage covenant? How many times does it really describe God's love working itself through us with our wife, with our spouse, or with other relationships? How many times can we say that, man, you know, I'm patient, I'm kind, I don't envy, I don't boast, I'm not proud, I'm not rude, I don't, I'm not even self-seeking, not easily angered, keep no record of wrongs, I don't delight in evil, I rejoice in the truth, I protect, I trust, I hope, I always persevere. How many times does that describe us? Do we really realize that because of what Jesus did for us, because of the spirit of God living in us, because our heart has been changed by God, we can live a life that demonstrates this love to our wife or to our husband or to the people around us. We can live this way. That even though we are despised, even though we may be spit upon, even though people are going to hate us, listen, they hated him, they're going to hate us too. We can love unconditionally with a go-again love that says, I'm going after them. What if our entire life was, was altered and our entire mind was altered because our heart has been changed and we no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but we're conformed by God to his image. And we began to live like this. What if every day of our life was about serving other people, not serving ourselves? What if we really did nothing out of selfish ambition, but we began to serve other people? We began to serve our spouse. What if that was the hallmark of our marriage? We serve one another. And I wrestle with this all the time. There'll be nights where Susan and the kids will finally go to bed. Susan's like, I'm going to go walk on the treadmill. I'm like, well, I'm going to be lazy on the couch. 
And then I'm sitting there and I'm flipping the TV and I look over and there's a sink full of dishes. I'm like, dang, it's going to stink for her to have to wash all them. And so I'm sitting there. It never fails. God's like, well, why don't you wash those four? When did it become her job to do that? Okay. Nah. But you know what? I go over there and I wash the dishes. Or I do something. There's clothes that need to be washed. You know what, guys? We're smart. We're barely. But we are smart enough to operate a washer and dryer. Barely. But we can do it. We can do it. What if our attitude was to serve our spouse, not to be served? Make it a little uncomfortable real quick. How would it change in the bedroom? How would it change? You know the reason that most people's sex lives in their marriage is jacked up, screwed up, is because our perspective of sex and love is screwed up? What if our sex life, our intimacy with our spouse was an extension of our service to our spouse rather than about us? What, what, listen, guys, what if it was about what you could give and not what you're going to get? How would that be different? What if you approached it that way? That you approached your wife as I'm serving her is an extension of my service to her. Not about what I can get. I am absolutely amazed how many times I'll, I'll be in a marriage counseling situation and the, the spouses walk in and we met a couple of times, we get back together and they walk in and, 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 and the man is like, I don't understand. Typical, but explain. Explain. I don't understand. I've been doing this for two weeks. I've been getting up every morning, making a pot of coffee. I've been leaving her notes and all this stuff on, 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 on the, by the coffee pot. I've been putting the kids to bed. I've been bathing them. I've been doing all this for two weeks, and she's still cold as ice. I'm like, well, how long were you a jerk? And they go, oh, listen, you can't get up one morning and make a pot of coffee and leave a note and think just because you want sex, your wife's smarter than you. Just because you want sex, I'm going to leave this little note right here. And the night when I get home, it's going to be, oh, baby, take me, I'm yours. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. What if instead of pursuing sex like a wolf chasing a pork chop, you actually pursued your wife like Christ pursues the church? How would that be different? How would that be different if you pursued her with the love of Christ and treated her as your bride? And it was an extension of, of, of your service, of your love. Of that unconditional redemptive love. How would it be different? What if it wasn't about you? Listen, man, your wife's not your personal porn star. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but she's not. Our call is to serve. Our call is to love as Christ loves the church. 
How would it change if we began to love that way? How would, it, how would our sex life, our intimacy with our spouse change if it was an extension of our service to her? And listen, listen, women, sex isn't a manipulative tool. In fact, the Bible says that my body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my spouse. 1 Corinthians 7, 4. If you want to go read it, you can check it out. It also says that my wife's body doesn't belong to her. It belongs to me. You know what that means? It means we're here to serve each other. And one way we serve each other is sex. God gave it in the context of marriage to be a beautiful thing. In the context of marriage with a husband and a wife who love each other, are one in Christ, and share in one of the most beautiful things that God's ever given us. See, women, women, you can't use it to get what you want. It's no different than what the, 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 man, the man's going, well, I need, I got, I got needs. You, then, then what you're saying is, I got needs too, and I know how to get my needs met. You know, that whole snapping the finger thing. You know, the next time you, you know what I'm saying? It's not a manipulative tool. It's to be shared between a husband and a wife who are both pursuing Christ and both pursuing each other. That is what sex is about. It's an awesome thing in the right context. And listen, listen, y'all, I'm not telling you it's like this boring, dull, impassionate thing. I'm not telling you it's like starched, right? It's not like, hello, honey. Can we have sex tonight? I mean, that's not what I'm talking. It ought to be passionate. A relationship with God ought to be passionate. A relationship with your spouse ought to be passionate. It, it, ought, it should be awesome. It ought to be something, man, that's, this is incredible. And it ought to get better over time. It's this incredible gift that God's given us. When we view it in the right way, we view it as an extension of God's service to us. We realize that, that God has given everything to us. He has served us in the most amazing way. He washed the nasty, stinky feet of disciples to set an example for us how we should serve others. That includes our spouse. But the only way we're going to do that is we live with our finger on the delete button. We begin to look for the blessings, the strengths, not the weaknesses. And every area of our life is an outflow of the service that we have towards our spouse because of what Christ has done in our heart. The last one in this part is that go again, love offers the same patience God has offered us. Listen, redemption only happened because of God's patience with sinners. God never overlooked sin. He never just said, I'll sweep it under the rug and it'll go away. God, at the perfect moment, we're going to look at this Christmas Eve, at the perfect moment, sent his son a divine appointment so that sin could be done away with once and for all for those who would trust in Christ. Because of God's great and amazing patience with us, we see redemptive love take place through the life of Jesus. We need to offer the same patience to our spouse. God has been more than patient with us. We need to be patient with them. Because, you know, what's so funny is how irritated we can get with them, but when we do something stupid, we don't get irritated with ourselves like we get irritated with them. The other night, we um, went to Shane's to eat supper, um, and we, we go in, and, you know, we got three kids, so we already lost our mind a long time ago. And so we go in, we order our food, we go sit down at the table, we eat our food. Jackson's crying because his stomach starts hurting. I'm like, do we need to go to the emergency? And he's like, ah! you know, I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong. 
So I don't have no idea what's wrong. I'm like, is it appendix? What's going on? And like 15 minutes later, he's all right, but we're rushing, trying to get out. I'm like, you just take Jackson and go, and I'll get the other two, and we'll come behind you, you know, whatever. She's digging through the diaper bag, digging through the diaper bag. There's no keys to be found. And, and she's like, I think I locked my keys in the car. I'm like, oh, great. Really? We got a kid over here that he's like, Rah! you know, and then we got these two. And now, now we got to go all the way home, get a spare set of keys, come back. And so we're like, all right, let's just do this. Let's just go. And so we walk out the door and, and, she's, and, and she walked out ahead of me. I'm kind of cleaning up the trash. I walk out the door and she's standing looking at her car. I'm like, what? And then I looked and I noticed the lights were on. Okay. And I walked out and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was like, you left the car running, didn't you? She goes, yeah, I did. We were in there for like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> the car running the whole stinking time. And my response was, don't worry about it, honey. Gas is only like $15 a gallon. <laughs> no, that wasn't my response. And at first, I was like, all I could see was dollar signs. I was like, really? And I was almost like, how could you? And then I had a thought in the back of my mind. And I remembered the day that I left my truck running at the office for over two hours. And I was like, oh, that's okay, honey. Everybody makes mistakes. But I've been so quick just to go, how could you do that? And then I was like, oh, I did the same thing. You know what's funny? Your spouse isn't perfect. Can I get an amen? amen? No. Your spouse is not perfect. But guess what? Neither are you. Neither am I. Why don't we offer them the same patience that God's offered us? It happens when God changes our heart, when we realize how awesome God is. I want to read real quick. We've only got just, just a couple more minutes. But I want to read to you real quick out of Matthew chapter 18 because I don't want to just tell you what it looks like. I want to tell you how this actually comes about. It's going to be very quick. But I want, I, want you to just, I want you to see this because I think this is absolutely incredible and so, so important. The beginning in Matthew 18, verse 21. I'm going to read through 35. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who want, wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to set the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees because before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I counseled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. 
First thing I want to tell you, if you want to see redemptive love in your marriage, it's birthed out of a revelation of God's grace. It is birthed out of a revelation of God's grace. See, this is an incredible parable that Jesus tells. Peter comes up and he's like, Lord, if they sin against me, just forgive them seven times. I mean, isn't that good? That's kind of going above and beyond, isn't it? Jesus goes, no, seven times 70. He's not saying like 490. That's right, isn't it? Seven times 70, 490. Okay, good. All right. He's not saying 490. He's saying as many times as it takes, Peter. And then he tells them this parable. And he says, listen, that was this guy. And he owed this man some money. You know, in today's standards, the amount of money this guy owed would have been millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he goes and he's like, I can't pay it back. And the master's like, well, you're going to jail. You and your kids. You're all going to jail. And he begs him and he forgives the debt. But then that guy goes out and he finds a guy who owes him some money, which in today's terms would have been a few thousand dollars. Now a few thousand, I'd take a few thousand dollars. I'm not saying that's not a lot of money. But when you compare it to millions and millions of dollars, it is a very, very small debt. And rather than offering the same grace and forgiveness that his master had offered him, he went out and began to choke the servant that owed him the money. You know how many of us are choking the life out of our marriage because we will not offer our spouse the same grace and forgiveness that we've been offered? It comes from a revelation of grace because when we see us, we see the depth of our sin. We see the need for a savior in our life and we see the holiness of God and we realize how large the gap is that God has bridged for us through Christ so that we can come to know him. Then we begin to realize if he's forgiven me like that, how can I not forgive this other debt? If we want to see redemptive love, go again love, then we have to have a relationship that is birthed out of a revelation of God's grace for us. It's the only way it's going to happen. The second way it happens is that we realize it's founded on a command. Jesus is very, very clear. At the end of this parable, what does he say? If you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive. If you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. You know how that happens when Jesus changes our hearts? And some of you right now are saying, I can't forgive what's been done to me. I cannot forgive it. You know what you can't? There may be things in here that are humanly impossible for you to forgive. But you know what? The Bible says that with God, all things are possible. So if you're holding on to a, some bitterness, you're holding on to a grudge that you will not let go, this is the thing I would tell you. It's an awesome opportunity to trust God. Allow him to begin to work and change your heart. When we come to a realization of the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus, our heart is changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we become able to offer forgiveness in the same way that he did. That's for everybody. How much more for our spouse should we do that? I want to tell you this, that new beginnings are founded on the release of old offenses. Forgiveness is a command. It, it, listen, so many times we believe that, that forgiveness is a feeling. I'll forgive them when I feel like it. You know, a lot of times that day never comes. It's based off of us coming to a point of realizing God has told me to forgive. 
I'm going to trust that his way is best. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Because I believe this is something that's way beyond my ability to deal with. But I trust you. I know you can change my heart. Now give me the strength and the courage to just take the first step of forgiveness. Jesus initiated that with us. It's our call to initiate that with others. The last thing. Redemptive love, that go again love, that unconditional love of God that came again and again to us is fostered and nurtured through a choice. It is fostered and nurtured through a choice. You think Hosea probably had to make a choice to go to Gomer? I don't think he woke up like God spoke to him and then he was like, man, I can't wait to go get my prostitute wife. She's awesome. The worst conversation to ever have with your wife is to go to her and go, now you can't be a prostitute anymore. He made a choice. And if we're going to have redemptive love, that go again love, our marriage is going to be what God designed it to be. If it's going to mirror the relationship that we have with God, then time and time and time again, we make the choice to go again to our spouse. We realize that in light of what God's done for me, how can I withhold it from them? We make a choice to be obedient and then we step into this relationship that God's called us to. Guys, listen to me. I am not telling you it's easy. It is very simple, but it is not easy. It is a simple concept, but it is hard. One of the greatest lies that we hear in the church is that God will not give you more than you can handle. What a lie. And that's not in the scripture. It's not. There are things all the time that are more than we can handle. The awesome news is that God and in God and through God and through Christ, there is nothing that comes our way that we cannot handle. All things are possible through Christ. And that includes a reconciling, God-honoring, redemptive marriage that is a mirror of God's relationship with us. I mean, for, since we've started talking about this marriage series, like for the last few months even, it's just been going through my head over and over again. Go again to your wife. Go again to your wife. When he utters those words to Hosea in chapter 3, he said, Go again. And I can't get beyond that that is the essence of marriage. That through the strength and the grace of Jesus, we go again. And when it seems like there's no hope, we just go again. We just trust God and we go again. And when, 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 listen, when, when all hell's breaking loose, what do we do? We go again. When we've been offended and we've been hurt, what do we do? We go again. If anybody had the right to take offense, it was Jesus. What did he do? He just came to us and offered his life for us. That we could live, we could know him. We could be reconciled to our Father and God's desires that our marriage would be a go-again marriage. Redemptive. That's the incredible thing about God. He came again and again and again to us. It's his love and his grace, his mercy has been poured out on us. He made us righteous through his, his own life his own way because we couldn't attain it 
And that is the greatest evidence of God's love, that even while we were sinners, Christ gave himself for us. That proves his love for us. You and I, because of this amazing collision, this happened between God and us through Christ, have the same ability to offer that love to others, including and especially our spouse. God's love is incredible. Listen, you're here today and you've never walked in the love of God. You've never, you could say, I've never been redeemed by Jesus. I've never trusted him for salvation. I've never allowed him to buy me back from sin and death. I've never crossed that threshold from death to life. You can do that today. If God is knocking on the door of your heart today, you can have that life that he offers. Listen, today, some of you, your marriage is in shambles. You need to get that right. You, you need the help of God. You would think right now there's no way this can be saved. I will tell you there is one way, and that is through Christ. And there's the opportunity for that to happen. And begin today is just taking that first step in response to what God has told us to do. We're going to play one more song, and then we're going to get out of here. And it's a song about the love of God and the power of the love of God. And I want you to sing this. And this is the thing I would say. If God has knocked on your heart today and you need prayer for something, a relationship that needs to be restored, your marriage needs to be restored, whatever it might be, whatever it is that needs to be reconciled in your life, maybe it is you being reconciled to God. As we sing this song, listen, there's, there's room in here today. You, you're not blocked in. This is what I want to ask you to do. I just want you during this song, listen, nobody's going to be looking at you because they're all going to be singing and with their eyes closed and their hands in the air. I know y'all, y'all do that. So, so I want you, while they're singing, I want you to just walk out the doors. Go let these folks pray with you. Let them talk to you about the love of God, about the power of God. And let us help you take your next step in your journey with Christ. Let's pray. Let's sing this song and praise Jesus for the love that he has come again and again to reveal to us.